Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a very unique guest. I'm very, very excited for this conversation, and we are here today with Marianne Pruitt. So Marianne is the president of Mosaic Media. I was super interested in seeing her as a, as a potential guest because she has a layer of expertise on something that I see people do very well in one camp. Uh, which is traditional media. Uh, I see people doing very well in the other camp, which is digital. And But she has a awesome perspective on how to combine the two and what people should be thinking about as you know the world changes, as people change, all this different stuff. So thank you so much for being on the show, Marianne. Jan, thank you for having me. I'm excited for this conversation. Okay. So I want to start something off, which I was really uh, jazzed up about in the pre-call, which was something that you mentioned about the changing preferences as the generations end up shifting. Okay. <laughs> so do you mind, uh, let us know a little bit more about that. And like, um, you know, kind of what's, what's going on with, uh, what's going on with the world today? <laughs> Yeah. So with marketing and specifically in media consumption through the pandemic over the last almost two years uh, since COVID hit, we've seen a huge shift in consumer behavior habits when it comes to media. So that means that that affects our paid media strategies and how we're looking at them uh, for any kind of brand that you're looking at or that you have or represent. So Key things that have happened are in our older generations, overnight, we saw an uptick in absolute high consumption of digital. And like, this is an evolution that should have taken 10 years. We're talking 70 year olds, 80 year olds that in their 60s, 50s, but the upper end of those baby boomers, even the younger end of the traditionalist generation overnight on social media, like nothing else. This is something that evolution-wise should have taken 10, 20 years, if at all in their lifetime. And they were on social overnight. But the most interesting thing that we also saw was younger generations turning to traditional platforms and traditional media because it was affecting them more locally. And they didn't know what, okay, what are my counts for today? Like, where is my, what are the mandates in my town? How am I getting this information? So we saw the shift of them looking at old traditional platforms as if they were new and they were excited about it. And it actually has changed the habits of how people are consuming media. That's fascinating. And it's kind of interesting. I saw a little bit of, this is actually funny enough, last night I was watching TV and I ended up seeing an ad for a like you know super big, super traditional personal injury law firm on Hulu. And I was like, this is not something I think I would see like not too long ago. And then also from stuff that we've kind of seen uh, recently as well, like uh, we've been doing a lot of work on YouTube and targeting you know, pretty older folks, like you know, estate, estate planning, elder law stuff and elder people, boomers on YouTube. And I was like, you know, the data is looking like it is, but I didn't know why. So that's really, really interesting. Yeah. So we're seeing that shift of online digital consumption at this all time high. We saw more people go to to streaming. And it's an interesting, actually, another dynamic of this has been on the streaming nonlinear side of media. You've got your OTT, you've got your Hulus, you've got your Amazon Primes, you've got all of these different elements that they're actually consuming some TV in a different way, in a different platform, so we can target in that. And programmatically, we can actually target the behaviors that go with it. So the digital space 
And what we've been able to gather data-wise over the last two years, now there's been some things with Apple and other shifts that have taken place, but there's still a lot of data on individuals to be able to target those uh, behaviors that go with it is quite fascinating. And then you shift over here where, and this is the other thing that's very interesting with the older generations and the older end of the boomers is they didn't stop consuming the traditional platforms. They're consuming all of it. They're consuming all of the above. So it's another way and another avenue where now the omni-channel approach is even that more effective and more important because they are now over-consuming media than they have ever before. Okay, that's super interesting. I think this is actually a really good opportunity to segue into how you got here, Marianne. So <laughs> clearly, you know, if, if anyone's uh, paying attention, you can tell Marianne's got a lot of uh, experience with these different platforms, but um, how did we end up getting here? I always love hearing everybody's journey because everybody's story is so different and unique. And frankly, I think most people fall into it by accident of what they end up doing. So I actually started as a graphic designer right out of high school, actually in high school. This is when you had to sketch and scan and actually like things like that. We're not talking like I was able to use any drawing pads or anything. No, everything was by hand or scanned in with photos. So that's how I started on the marketing side. Well, as I started going through college and going through everything, I really found a love actually for legal and economics. And so I started down the economics path as well as the marketing path. And I ended up studying both. And my love for economics and marketing together led me to media. I worked my whole way through college through media and started on the media side and in the sales side of it. But the data and the love of economics is what got me to where I am, that statistical data is where I am now. That's the different approach that I bring. It's very rare that you get the economics marketing dual and packaged together. And that's where I'm such a data nerd because data always tells us a story and uh, it's very fascinating. So that's how I ended up getting here. I start. I had my career in media and then a little over 10 years ago decided, you know what, I can take this to a different level and start a firm and help people more specifically with what they're looking for. And our niche is 100% media. That is what we do. Okay, awesome. And I know um, we're both a couple of marketers on this thing. So the word media means a lot to me, but as far as people who are not super yeah. clear to it, like how would you break down the major channels you focus on in media and which ones should people be paying attention to right now? So media can be so confusing, right, Jan? I mean, everybody, it, it can mean anything. It can mean just the PR side. It can be the paid side. So what we, we cover anything that quote falls under that media umbrella and help brands with any of it. But the main format that I'm here to talk about today is the paid media side. So you have your digital and you have your traditional. In your digital platforms, one thing that I think is really key more and more that we're actually seeing in the legal space that people are wanting to target more in is the programmatic space, but they're not sure how to do that. And what is programmatic? Programmatic is bidding by behavior and it's all digital. Think of it like the stock market, except for you're bidding on where your ad's going to be placed and where it's going to be. And you firms like ours can help you with that. You don't want to take that on in-house. It's very difficult. It's very time-consuming. Um, unless you have somebody just dedicated to being able to do it. And it's very hard to get a seat on certain trade desks and DSPs and things like that. But with programmatic, I can garner the days of saying, you know what, I want to target that woman that's 35 to 54 years old and that's it. And I just figure out where she's going to be and that's it. Today, I can say, what kind of car does she drive? How many kids does she have? 
What sports are her kids involved in? What are the foods that she consumes? What are her habits? She works out twice a day. She, you know, all these various things that go behind it so that we are actually serving her ads where she is based on the behaviors in which we are targeting. So those are, um, maybe she's multilingual. Maybe there's all these various pieces that go with it. So programmatic is probably the biggest piece right now that is the most confusing for people, but a very important place for you to be looking at. You can you can be getting video OTT. So OTT is over the top television and you can be displaying that and pushing that forward based on behaviors now and serving your ads to the audience that you want to target, not just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. And so programmatic, this programmatic piece and the data that we've been able to collect over the last two years is significant for any brand or anybody who's wanting to know what to do with their budget. Okay. The other that- side of it, though, the traditional side is not dead, but that's a big piece that of where we where people should be definitely looking to put their money. Okay, super interesting, and I want to. It's it's kind of an interesting thing, uh, you know, especially with a lot of the stuff that's been in the the headlines. I think I heard this on the radio this morning. I was like, uh, you know, the privacy issues surrounding Facebook and Instagram, that kind of stuff too. I remember back in the day when we were able to target income levels directly on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks, yep. thanks for uh, taking that toy away, Cambridge yep. Analytica. So now it's kind of funny because I know a lot of the people, and ourselves included, but like a lot of the agency owners that stick to kind of more of those like you know YouTube, Facebook, Google type platforms. A lot of them are into open darting, but it seems like this programmatic stuff is a place where you're able to get that data. And I'm I'm curious on a lot of the how of that specifically, but what's sort of the start at the jump off point? Like at what point are people usually starting to consider programmatic? Is this like a first option that you usually have for people or at what point does it make sense to to jump in those waters? Right now, it's a very important piece of that puzzle of your advertising. So when you're looking at you know, that's another category that people throw media into is just calling it advertising dollars. So, but when you are looking at your media plan or your advertising plan, programmatic should be a conversation. Even if you have a small budget, there's a lot we can do with smaller budgets to large, to gigantic budgets. It doesn't matter. There's still a lot we can do. The data is there, especially with the privacies and other things changing in other platforms the programmatic space data is still being gathered and still there based on IP addresses, based on various different things. So being able to target your uh, behaviors that are going with your target demographic is a unique spot to be in. And it's a great thing. Now, I mean, it's more and more your competitors are doing it if you're not. And that's, that's the key part is that you need to really be evolving into this and getting into the programmatic space to be able to develop what you need to reach that audience specifically. That doesn't mean that you don't have other platforms and you don't have an omni-channel approach. You should look at that. If your budget allows for it, you should be looking at reaching this audience more than once and more than in one platform. But like you said, the privacy sides of targeting has changed a lot. You have to be more strategic on how you're doing your targeting. Yeah. And um, it also has raised another question to me too, as far as kind of the situation goes with budgets. I know back in the day, and it's been a while since I've really had a, a good conversation with a smart programmatic person, but like, you know, I know back in the day, it was like, so a lot of times people would be like, hey, look, I can't get on traditional media. I don't have $20,000 a month to spend. I was under the impression that programmatic was still a pretty big threshold to get started, but have those things changed recently? So it is if you're going direct. So that's Ah. where people like us come in. Our volume is there. So you're able to jump on that bandwagon. So you're able to call people like us 
to help you get that. So we would we would do the whole planning for you, but then able be able to bid on your behalf. That's where you're want, you're going to want to look for a partner in that because for you as a brand, the thresholds are high for you to be able to get your own seat. And frankly, it's expensive, not only for you to just get your own seat to be able to do programmatic, but also for you to then have somebody manage it. You need to have dedicated people to manage your ads if you're having that kind of a spend. So that's the best way to do it is to find a good partner that you can trust in the programmatic space that has those seats, that has the ability and has that team to be able to optimize daily, not just optimize. I mean, there are times in this takes me down, Jan, this takes me down a path too of making sure that when you are in the programmatic space that you're optimizing, make sure that you know which sites that you're on and the, the partner that you partner with is looking at that and paying attention. Like our team is optimizing all the time. I joke and say, you know, we've got we got our team and our little nerds in the back room in the dark room <laughs> doing yeah. everything all day long, right? But that's really what's really important is that you're optimizing on a regular basis because we have found nightmare stuff when we inherit it. When we bring it on and you've been do, doing it yourself or doing it through a through something that's, oh no, they were going to help. They were going to do this. And it was done poorly. You're on sites you don't want to be on. And you want to make sure that you're targeting it correctly and that you're actually optimizing it for what your what your goals are and what your KPIs are. Yeah. Also tell a personal story too. This blew my mind from a long time ago. So we ended up basically in a situation, this was an attorney that we were working with in New York and we were on search, uh, but it was a very niche uh, area of practice. So he did a very specific kind of personal injury law. So we ended up moving up to the Google Display Network. And the thing that blew my mind was that the automation was pretty good on other parts of the platform, but it's as if the people that are on programmatic, it's, it really is the wild west. Like these were people were submitting false conversions because they knew that the Google algorithm was going to optimize around that. And then we find ourselves driving traffic, to all these kind of like crazy .ru sites and they're getting paid. Google's getting paid. They're not really trying to stop it. So, and just the level of variability, it's like, okay, you want to be on Facebook? Where's your placement? Newsfeed? Gotcha. Let's check that back in three months. Um, but for here, it's you know totally different, right? Like can you, um, and I'm a little bit aware of these things, but just as far as for people who are not familiar, like how many different places could you be showing up on a programmatic ad? Oh, in a programmatic buy, depending on your budget, but you could be showing up in thousands of areas and you're targeting it correctly. You have access to it. And so, Jan, I want to go back to a little bit of what you were just saying with the Google platforms and Google is something to use as well. And Google can be seen as a type of programmatic, but the programmatic that I'm talking about is even a deeper level of programmatic and outside of just the Google platform. So the Google platform is the data that Google has. Then there's all these other DSPs and all these other groups that you can then be a part of or have a seat on to be able to target even more in those other elements of data. So you know, 20 years ago when I started in media and started doing what I was doing, you know, you had a few hundred maybe brand impressions a day as a consumer. In today's world, we have the availability of tens of thousands of brand impressions. So we have to make sure that our ads are actually being served to the individuals that we want to reach. And with that, what is our tagging that we are then, how do we know that it's coming back to our website? Where are they landing on our website? Where, how long are they staying on our website? Are we converting them? Is What's the conversion ratio? So there's all these other things that go into it that we can we can look at as well. But yeah, so to to your point, it's very important because you want to make sure that someone's paying attention to where you're showing up and you have the option of showing up in thousands and thousands of places. Yeah. Well, I'll say this too, it's kind of interesting because if we're starting from the place where people have more exposure than ever before, 
then, you know, you need to have a more customized message to, you know, get stand out of the crowd too, you know? So, uh, and I guess having the ability to know this about people when they're getting after it, you know, even the events that they're going at through their day could make it a lot easier to cut through the noise. Right. A hundred percent. And you, the, I always say this. So there's so many times where people are like, they get caught up in the, well, what's my ad going to be? Or they get caught up in what's my advertising budget. They don't think of the two of them as vertical and how they have to work together. And the message point of it, you can have the best message point in the world, but the worst ad placement possible, and it won't matter or vice versa. So these both are very integral, important parts of what you are doing. The more targeted we are to a individual that is a consumer, the more targeted our ad to them needs to be. And that's where it's it's very important to have that message side of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of this reminds me of this old story. You ever hear this one about Frank Kern? So he goes, you know, it was, it was he was speaking to an, uh, an audience of copywriters. He goes, yeah, if you have to have one advantage going into, uh, you know, selling, let's say, you know, a hamburger store, what was the number one thing? And everyone said, oh, you know, this, the price of this, blah blah blah. He said, you know, the, the advantage I'd want is a starving crowd. And yeah, there you go. If you get the if you get the uh, the stuff right with the audience, and that's you know, that's that's what targeting is all about. That's exactly right. That's exactly. Yeah. Right. Let's talk a little bit about attribution. So this has always been a mystery to me, but I think we can talk about attribution a little bit generally, but how do you keep track of what's happening on traditional media? (laughs) (laughs) So, well, there's many tools out there and there's many things of us being able to, to see. The key of traditional media right now is actually live events and live sports and live news. So that's actually where we're seeing the most consumption taking place. And that's on our multiple tools that we use. Uh, and again, when you partner with a firm, those are not costs that you need to have. Those are costs that us as a firm needs to have to be able to do our jobs right for you. So, you know, those are things, partner, find a good partner in this. But the live events right now is huge. And I even found myself for the first time in a while watching live TV the other day with the new show that's live with the studio audience. I was like, oh, you know, they're recreating shows from my childhood and this is, but they're redoing it today. I want to watch this. So I had my evening run and I'm watching it live. And I was like, I have, I'm going to turn on live television. And that's where people are looking at the linear television is more based on live sports, live events, live news to dive into news a little bit. People today right now want to know that they are waking up to the world that they went to bed to, that nothing's changing, that nothing's too scary again. And that's really important. So morning news is something that they are really consuming a lot of, of all generations. That's super interesting. And it, it kind of makes sense too. I like it. I'm trying to think the last time I watched the show live, it was, I think it was when Game of Thrones was last back in season. Yeah. And let's not talk about how it ended. But <laughs> I, I had to watch it live because I didn't want to hear the spoilers. The same thing exactly. for any sports fan. But um, no, that's interesting. So you're saying like the morning news consumption is is going up. But as far as uh, when no, when somebody's watching one of these these programs or watching one of these things too, so you know, what are kind of the basics for how we're able to tell, you know, I know from the stuff that I know from digital, it's like, you know, we can see what our impressions are. And how do we attribute it back to that working, right? Exactly. And yeah. That, that attribution. So there are tactics now. And actually, they're not too new of tactics in our traditional spaces that we can do. You know, you have a unique phone number that goes on your TV ad. You have a unique URL or a landing page that goes on your TV ad so that you can see that response. But here's a cool thing that we can do today that is different. And it depends on how big of your budget and how big of everything that's going on. But the Google Analytics, when we look at this is where the traditional and the digital can work together. I can look at our ad times of when an ad ran once I look at the spot times and then I can go look at my analytics of our site and see what was taking place. 
So we can actually look at that attribution to see, okay, were we seeing a spike in traffic? Were we seeing a spike within these windows? The other thing that we've been using too is QR codes. People more and more are, are multi-device watching. And so if you put a QR code on your TV ad or your OTT ad, people are easy, quick to go straight to your website with that QR code. And now it's working and you have it on your, it's working on the TV screens and people are doing that more and more. So there's quite a few little tricks here or there for attribution straight back to the ad so that you can track to make sure that you know what you're getting out of it. Okay. Super cool. And then if this doesn't fry anyone's brains, the last question I had on attribution is what tools do you have in place for kind of seeing how these channels affect each other? I know there's kind of like a general lift in place, but like, you know, is there any way to say, okay, cool. Well, Hey, we could say that because the person saw the TV spot, then he clicked on the ad on the DSP or vice versa or something like that. So with the, I'll use the QR code example, we are then able to see. So if somebody clicks on that, we're going to be able to either then retarget them because now we just got them on their device with it or we got them with their whatever that they QR, they scan that QR code with. And right now too, let me just take a little side segue here of QR codes on TV ads. People are so using QR codes now because of restaurants, because of ordering online, because of everything. People are very used to it now. So you have that piece of it where you can tag them, where you're able to see where these ads are, where are they going? How are they converting? What behaviors do they have while they're on our site? So there's that piece of it. But then back to the analytics side, we can use the traditional knowing when our airtime is happening and looking at our analytics and looking on our website and seeing, okay, where are our traffic bumps during this day? If I had, let's say I had, I don't know, I'm throwing it out like, I had five news ads run in five different markets and you know they're these are the times that they were running you know 10 a day whatever throwing it out um these are how many grps i can then go and look and see okay analytic wise what is my website doing what is our site doing when those ads are airing and if we use a qr code what spike did i get out of that so there's all these cross channel tools it's not when i started in media People would say, well, it's the cash register. If the cash register is ringing, then it is working. And <laughs> yeah. I hate that because you want, because in today's digital, we can track so well. But now in traditional, we have to just be creative on how we're doing it. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's actually, this reminds me of another quote too. It's a thing with John Warlow. It says, you know, the, the problem with uh, with advertising is I, I, I waste half of it. The problem is I don't know which half. So. I just don't know which half. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly right. In today's world though, there are tools that we can use to track, even on the traditional platforms. And I mean, look out of home, same thing. There are things that we can do with geofencing uh, on our billboard ad. But there's various things of how the two can all work together. Okay, gotcha. And I'm also kind of understanding, <laughs> as uh, not that I didn't before, but as time is, I'm. I'm further driving the point home that it's important to have somebody who understands these things because uh, yeah, it's gotten up a lot of this stuff that has to do not to get this stuff work. It can be very confusing. And, you know, as I had told you in our pre-call that, and there's some people that want it to be confusing. And frankly, I want to help, but that's what our team does. We want to help. We don't want to make it confusing. We want to help you to and take the confusion out of it. Like build that customized plan that works for you and works for your brand so that you're able to get the results that you want, not just spend money like that 50% that's not working. No, let's, let's see what's working and let's move that in that direction. Yeah. Okay. I want to change gears a little bit to talking about some things that you see that people are doing wrong. So like when you have clients, like, can you think of like, you know, anyways, uh, co- common things that you'll see when you, you look at uh, somebody's media buying, and you're like, this is on fire. Like, what do you see going wrong with people, especially law what, firms, if you have any specific examples? Yeah. So 
a lot of times we will inherit budgets from either other firms or an agency brings it to us or a brand brings it to us directly. Um, in the legal space is honestly, a, a lot of times they get married straight into the traditional platforms only. That's what we have found because we know based on the target audiences that they're going to be there and they're not looking in the programmatic space. So that's a big mistake specifically in this vertical that we need to look at because we can't, there's so many things that you can target now in behaviors and in the legal space. That's something that you, depending on what type of attorney you are, there are so many different things. Like if you're a divorce attorney, there's a lot of data and a lot of things that are, that someone is going through in their searches before they get to that point of a divorce. And so what kind of data are we collecting? And then how are we targeting these ads? There's very specific things. And that's just one example, right? But the, a lot of times the biggest mistake that we see is not, is either trying to do it yourself and trying to figure it out and wasting a lot of money and a lot of time when your firm, frankly, for, it doesn't cost that much more or if anything for us to handle it, for other firms to handle it. And that's a key part is that it's not like it's super expensive. And I think that's the misnomer is that, oh, this is going to cost me so much more to have a, a someone manage this for me. And in reality, it actually should save you some money because it's saving you time and it's saving your staff time. But so trying to do it yourself because you're not an expert in it. Don't try to do it yourself. Try to find a good partner that can help you with it and to be able to walk through because there's so many, you have thousands of options now of what you can do yeah. with your ad placement. Don't get confused and try to just niche it down for yourself and get carried in there. The other thing is, is not knowing on the, I'll go to weaknesses on the traditional side, not knowing that the, certain platforms have their strengths. So radio, you want a high frequency. You want to be a, running a ton of ads and radio, not one a day, not just one, you know, it, people will say, oh, I ran one radio ad for $1,200 and it got me nothing because you ran one radio ad for $1,200. You need to be looking at it as you're running one. It would be better for you to condense a budget of one month into one week and have high, high frequency on it in radio. And so that's another misnomer that we see is not knowing how to use each platform to its strengths. Uh, TV, finding live events, finding live things that have that following that you want to be on. So that's on the traditional side and then on the digital side. So those are, we see lots of mistakes and we like to help and walk people through it. On the digital side though, too, optimization is the biggest mistake. There are many times where we have found uh, people's ads showing up on adult websites and things like that, that they don't want to be on. So yeah, well, maybe, maybe for maybe for divorce law, but for different reasons. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, but anyway, no, so that, that's super fascinating too. And I, I love like kind of like the specificity on legal. So I mean it's kind of funny too, because I think a lot of the stuff, you know, whatever, just from, from being legal, and you probably know the same, but it's like a lot of times there's there's what a billboard represents to where you're supposed to be at in your career. And people just do it because it's it's an accolade, right? Not thinking about whether things can be better or worse, but um, you kind of also uh, flip my switch on, on something specifically, which is this like minimum threshold for getting things done. So it's like, I think a lot of times people go in half cocked because they're, they don't want to risk too much, but at the same time, and again, I appreciate there's a, a point at every firm's growth where they're going to be able to do this. So for people who might want to be on the path to scaling up to a bigger budget, but aren't necessarily there right now, 
What would you kind of recommend for people that are in smaller budget ranges? If you're in smaller budget ranges first, you have options. And that's a huge misnomer. People will think, oh, if I have small budget, I can't get help. I can't get somebody to help me with this. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, if you have $10 to spend, that's different. But if you small budgets really does not mean that you can't do anything. There's a strategy there. And frankly, if you're partnering with the right group, they're going to be able to lead you through that growth. So you're going to be able to see, okay, this is where my budget is now. Then I want to see where my KPIs are going to be here so that I can increase my budget to here and then increase my budget to here. And then you're going to see it start all working together. And that's, I I think, and I will say this on the legal side, more than anything uh, for legal advertising, there's a tendency to say yes to the local media firm, meaning like the local TV station comes to you and you're like, yeah, I just bought that package. And their local radio station comes to you. Yeah, I bought that package. And before you know it, you have packages galore and you're not 100% sure what those packages are doing, but they made it simple for you and putting in a package. And that's not necessarily the way for you to go. You really need to look at, okay, what's the realistic budget that I'm going to be within? Who am I targeting with that budget? And then now how am I targeting them with that budget? So it's step by step. Don't go by the way their job is to sell you something. It's okay to say no. So you've got to make sure what's right for what your goals are and where you want to head. And I'm not against the local TV person. I'm not against the local radio person. I spent time doing it in my career, but really, truly, it's not just for you to buy it. You need to know what's right for your brand and where you need to go. Don't fall into the trap of, okay, I have something out there. Strategically and methodically think through what you need to do. So when you're scaling, if you have a small budget, you have options. If you have a huge budget, you have options. Either way, the strategy is what the part is that's so important that you need to make sure that you're looking through. So it's identify your budget, who is the person that I'm targeting with this budget? Who is my ideal client? Who's the ideal client that walks to my door or calls me for services? And then where am I reaching them? And how am I spending that budget to reach them? It's really that simple. Yeah. Well, and if I'm mistaken too, like the kind of work that a media buyer can do is, is have those same conversations with the local media stations in the 100%. same way. Yeah. And, and actually that is our job. That is what we're supposed to do as a firm is to represent you. So you're not taking those phone calls anymore. And that we are, we, cause we have those relationships around the entire country. So we do placement in all 50 States and we have relationships with media vendors in all 50 States and in all towns, all regions, all everything. So you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to take that call. Actually, you're just handing them our number every time they call you. And that makes it much easier for you. And we'll tell you whether or not it's a good idea and we'll guide you through that. So you don't have to decide that yourself. Yeah, no, that's awesome too. And it's like, you know, I think the, it, it, it kind of ends up being cart before the horse too, because if you end up yeah. finding this, this, you know, this media situation to be end up getting like, you know, you, you have, it's like a hammer looking for a nail. If you have the situation where you're just, it's coming to you, right. While, you know, getting the purpose and working backwards is obviously a much better approach. Okay. I also want to ask this question in terms of people who might be gearing up for this kind of an endeavor, is there anything that you guys encounter as a media buying agency that just makes it super hard to make a campaign win? So the stuff that you guys don't control directly, but maybe the offer stuff about the brand or like what, what makes it really hard to win on these platforms? So on any platform, if your reputation management hasn't been looked at, then you need to online where if you have any crisis calms in the past or anything like that, any bad bad searches that need to be cleaned up or things along those lines, that's 
impactful for any media that you're going to spend because the first thing people are going to do if they're especially if you're in professional services like legal services people are going to google and find out what information is there so it's really important that your search is strong as well which is another form of paid but that's really important because your other paid won't work as well if you're not having the positive stuff showing up when they're googling you the other side of it your offer if your offer what's your call to action or what's your offer one of those two things if you have a weak one And it depends on which platform you're in. There's overall brand awareness, of course, that you need to have. But in the legal services, what do you want them to call you for? What kind of, you're an attorney, who do you want to have call you? It's okay to have that call to action of if you're looking for a divorce attorney or if you're looking for a personal injury attorney, you know, those types of things that very specific of what your call to action is and making sure that you know what that is and what you, if you want to offer something that you offer it. Also, another key part is, and I think, and this is a total different rabbit hole probably, Jan, than what we want to go down, but I'll mention it anyway, is know your value as an attorney and as a lawyer and know that it's okay to not necessarily have to offer any kind of discount. It's your offer doesn't have to be that. Your offer does not have to be a discount. Your offer can be what you're offering in your expertise and people will pay for that and that's okay. So those are things as well that all of those things affect how your ad buys are going to play out for sure. Yeah. I'll say this too. I think it's, um, you know, kind of topic that's come up on a couple of previous podcasts is like the importance of kind of niching down as well. It's like, you know, if you can be yes. the, uh, what's it called? You could be the divorce lawyer for moms, or you can be the divorce yeah. lawyer for our immigrants or something like that. Like with the ability to target, you can kind of marry those things as well. Right. You, you absolutely can. And in programmatic space, we can target so much down to that. So it's really important, but you're the more niche you get, the more successful you will be there. I'm a big believer in that, that you can't niche down enough. I had a, a very good mentor of my tell me that once of there's literally no way you can niche too much. And I was like, yeah, there is. And they're like, nope, no, there's not. And they're right. There is no way you can niche too much. Okay. That's super cool. Okay. So as far as like uh, kind of next steps for anyone who's, who's looking to get started, it's like, what's a good place to start for somebody? You know, is this normally a conversation that you want to be having after you've tried a couple of things out on your own? Or like, do you ever take somebody who's, you know, for lack of a better word, just like a total marketing virgin? (laughs) We absolutely do all the time. So if you just have questions, we take that on. If you want to try it your own, you can, or if you don't, if you want to avoid the headache, you reach out to somebody like us uh, and then we can handle and help you guide you through that process. Um, and explain it to you. I think that's probably the biggest thing right now is there's so much confusion and what do I do? What do I not do? And what is that expertise that I need? So really try to find that. So there's a lot of people who will, who will take you on for that. And we absolutely help you from the very beginning. You don't have to try it yourself. If you wanted to put, try it yourself, the key thing in your first steps are to figure out your budget. And frankly, even if you're hiring a firm, figure out how much you're willing to put towards something per month. And, and I will say this big and back to a big mistake that we've ever, that I've ever seen is you try it for a week and it doesn't work. You've got to give this long-term anytime you're doing anything advertising, the minimum you need to try it for is 90 days. Typically you need to be trying it for more than that. Uh, but, and there's lots of things that we're optimizing in those 90 days, but at minimum, your campaign needs to run for 90 days, unless it's a fire sale, which in these cases for legal firms, that's not what you're looking for. (laughs) You want a long-term branding. So you're looking at a minimum of 90 days, but really you want a good solid year before you're really starting to see, because the sales cycle for the individual that you're looking for is one to seven years. So your long-term plan is there um, and you need to do it. So 
but figure out your budget, figure out who your niche is, who are you targeting and what are the behaviors that go behind that target? And then start looking at the platforms in which you're going to be on. Okay. Super cool. And um, one last thing, this is kind of, uh, this has been something that's been a topic on, on some podcasts pretty recently though, but how do you help your clients think about ROI? Like, is there a benchmarks that you guys shoot for? And again, timing of when that return is going to come in? Like, how do you guys talk about that? So we look right at the very beginning. We look at what KPIs we're going to look at. So, right, we're going to look at what our key performance indicators are. If our performance is not at a certain level, we need to tweak and we need to do things. So your KPIs and your ROI should be going hand in hand. And in the digital space, like we just talked about, there's ways for us to track that and to see. In the legal space, you're not necessarily selling something online to be able to see, okay, direct ROI, but you are able to get somebody to either download one of your white papers or to be able to um, sign up for a free consultation or whatever it is. And that's when, okay, how are we tracking that to how that converted into a sale? What is the conversion of it? So that's the ROI cycle. And then what's the funnel for that and getting to the next space and where we're headed to next with your sales cycle? What is that cycle for your individual target audience? And how are we continuing that sales cycle down? So you're looking from the very beginning of when they are there to then where are they actually signing on the line to become your client? And then where are you getting the return from that investment that came back from right here? This is what your cost of acquisition is. And that's a key part that a lot of people actually in the media side just dismiss. Don't worry about the cost of acquisition. Well, that's kind of a big piece that goes into your ROI. Oh yeah, hundred percent too. Like it's kind of funny too. Like I wonder if some of these people are a little bit more from like the branding side of things because it's just oh, like you know. And it is to be fair, there's also people that you know we have clients that are the same way. It's like, hey, look, you know, if this can break even on the front end, then I'm getting free PR, and I'm cool with that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I get it, but it's, it's a, a choice you got to make. As, as the- and Jan, you're spot on there. What is your goal with it? Is your goal yeah. just to get brand and to break even? Great. Then that's what the goal is of the buy. But if your goal is to get this many amount of sales out of it, okay, then what do we need to do to get to that many sales? Yeah, simple as. And um, okay, awesome. So um, this has been a really awesome conversation, Marianne. So for anyone who's uh, interested in, you know, learning more about you or taking the next step, what's the best place to send them? Yeah, just go to our website. It's mosaic.agency forward slash contact. That info, putting your info there comes straight to my email. And anytime you have any questions about media or want us to look at your plan, we oftentimes will do a free audit right at the beginning of looking at what you're currently doing to see if there's things that we would tweak. Reach out. We're here to help. Okay, awesome. And then for anyone who's interested, uh, we'll have that link right there in the show notes. But uh, Marianne, it has been a blast. Uh, Super appreciate you coming on the show. And for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thanks, Jan, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.